gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous Georgian goes reporting for duty here on an actual Thursday morning for your Thursday morning delivery. That's right. Just in time for UFC 282, which takes place on Saturday here in Las Vegas. And this will be a great time for me to remind you all that on Saturday, Goes and I will be hosting a UFC 282 watch along starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific here on MMA Junkie. Check it out. It's always a good time. And this is what I recommend. This is the the path to take if you don't order the pay-per-view and you want instant results, check out our watch-along because you'll watch us watch the event. So we'll be telling you exactly what's happening in real time. We'll have a special guest for this uh, watch-along. It's UFC Bantamweight, Cody Stamen, possibly a few others as well. So check that out. And on today's show, we're going to cover the latest news. We're also going to uh, talk to Chris Cyborg and, yeah, do that last-minute preparations, nudging, reminders for everything that's happening for this weekend's big, big card, which at the top of the bill, don't forget, we're going to have a new champion. Magomed Ankalaev is facing Jan Blahovich for the vacant UFC light heavyweight title. And Bellator's got something special going on, too. They're closing up their Grand Prix. Before I get this out of my head, Brandon Vera retired from MMA. Yeah. And uh, just wanted to wish him the best. We started watching him when he was, you know, fighting in the UFC. He fought as a light heavyweight, as a heavyweight. And I would say it's safe to call him he was once reached title contender status. I think when you're like a fight Mm -hmm. away from fighting for the title, you're already a title contender. You're not maybe didn't make it to chi- title challenger, but you're a title contender and a ranked guy. So respect there. Respect anyone that gets in the cage, but you know, obviously you get to that level, man. You you should be proud of yourself. But then he went over to one championship and became almost like the face for a few years. Uh he was their heavyweight champ for a while. So congrats to him. And yeah, let's get the show started. Or did you want to say anything about Brandon? Because like I said, you know, somebody showed me a list of 2022 and all the retirements. And I was like, holy cow, like there was some really, really big names and names that they were there when we started, you know. So I was like, wow, that was a little bit of a of a shock that a lot of those fighters have closed chapters. Yeah, Brandon was a big part of uh, the early push for one championship. You know, I remember seeing videos of him like arriving in the Philippines and how crazy it would be uh, when he would get off that plane. So he was a big part of that whole scene. And then, yeah, when he first started in the UFC, it was a big lookout for this guy, you know, and uh, that I wouldn't say fizzled out because he did have some good fights over there. But uh, yeah, after that, it was just that, that long, long run at at one championship in the last couple of years have just been kind of slow and, He's been a heavyweight over there, but uh, he was a big part of the Alliance gym, too. He was. Yeah, he was probably their first star. I actually took a class from him down in San Diego once. Not a class, actually. I was, well, I guess it was a class. I was going to say, I don't want to make it sound like it was a pro, pro training thing either. But, I mean, we trained. You know, it wasn't like I sat in a, um, in a, in a chair in a desk or whatever. Like, we actually trained and. It was right before I took off for one of Trigg's fights in Hawaii. So I actually went OC, San Diego, trained, and then had to drive back to the OC and then to LA to take off for Hawaii. It was all in one day. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a really, really good class. It was a class. What, what, what am I kidding? Who am I kidding? But um, it was a free class that he was teaching for anyone that wanted to get into the gym or something like that. And I just wanted to see what it was to get trained by a pro, I guess, an MMA pro, one that I had been watching. Anyway, mm-hmm. let's get to it, man. It's UFC 282. It's a big fight week. And so the fight card's taking a few hits, folks. But 
there's still a vacant title. So their main event is legit. You know, the UFC always tries their hardest to have a title. And even though the co-main event was lost because it became the main event, and even though we lost Yuri versus Glover, which arguably was the fight of the year, and I had the anticipation that it could be bananas again, you know, there's still some fights there. Now, we also took another hit. A big favorite of ours, of everyone, Robbie Lawler. He always puts on a show. He's out. He's not facing Santiago Ponzinibbio. Alex Morano has stepped in to fight him. And OSP, who was supposed to fight Alexander Volk, uh, Gustafson, both passed their prime. I get it. But both guys, are they have names that we're all familiar with. And, you know, that's always pretty special, right? So Gustafson pulled out of his fight versus OSP. Then OSP was given Philippe Lins, but Philippe Lins pulled out. And then uh, Antonio Trocoli from Contender Series, he was in, and then he withdrew. And I think since then, I've heard that Trocoli's now been cut. Trocoli also had a drug suspension as well, so maybe the UFC said enough, you know? And that was it. Um, Bo Nickel, of course, was supposed to be on this card. So, yeah, it's taken a few hits, but we're left with um, Bohovic versus uh, Ankalaev, Pimblet versus Gordon, Ponzinibbio versus Morano, Till versus Duplessis, and Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Tuporia. Is that the greatest main card ever? No, but I think it's all right, considering everything that's been happening. Considering Orlando was free last week, well, I guess we do pay $5.99 on ESPN or $9.99 on ESPN Plus, whatever. But um, what do you think? Are, I think we'd be lying if we were saying we're as pumped as we were for New York, right, and, and, and Abu Dhabi the last two. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's nowhere near something like that. But it has it has the makings of being a good card. It's just that name recognition. Um, who's next in the pecking order in some of these fights? Doesn't really have that. It's not too sexy on that side. But the matchups itself are are somewhat decent. So let me ask you something that I had been thinking about. The UFC sometimes gives you two title fights, like they did in New York. Now, for this card, they had a title fight and a number one contender fight. So it's supposed to be Yeri and Glover, part two, and Goliav and Blahovich, which pretty much would decide the next title contender. I actually prefer the latter. Even though it's one title fight, the fact that they have their title contenders on the same card in the co-main event, it puts a spotlight on 205, and there's insurance which in this case it became double insurance, but there's insurance towards the title fight. And then there's just like this little mixture of personalities. I'm next. No, I'm next. Well, how do you know you're going to win? I don't know. Those four can talk shit all week, you know, but I actually prefer that than two title fights. So in New York, we did have the two title fights. We did have Izzy versus Pajeda, but then the other one was Carla versus Zhang Wei Li. And again, two title fights. I'm not going to complain over that. They're both great situations. But I like the other one better, where it's one title fight and then the, the title contenders underneath had it been executed perfectly, minus the injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to who, what the names are that are involved in that situation. But uh, in this particular one, yeah, I like it too. Yeah, I hope they do more of what they tried to do this time versus the two title fights. I'll never complain about two title fights, but I do like... You know, we would have known that if Glover had beaten Yeri and it was a great fight, they might run a trilogy. Therefore, the winner of Blahovich and Ankalaev would be in a good spot, but maybe not in a good spot. They might have to take someone else because of the trilogy. Or if Yuri had beaten Glover, then the winner of Ankalaev versus Blahovich would have been next. You know, um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of like a little bit of uh, that, those backstories or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes um, it fun. What I will say, though, is part of my lack of enthusiasm as I've been watching Embedded, I've been watching three Embedded so far. Part of that has been, and I like the guy. He was in our studio. But they kept showing a lot of Jared Gordon, right? And at one point goes, I even caught myself going, man, they keep showing this guy a lot. And by the way, him and the story of his fiance. You know, and all that. It's it's really, really cool. 
apparently she was there at the right time for him because, as you know, the story with Jared Gordon, he's had a lot of demons. He's fought off a lot of demons, and he's really come back from a lot. So, you know, she's basically saved saved his ass. And I'm glad he they had a moment in one of the embeddeds where he's really spending a lot of money so that she looks good at the fights and everything. But at, at one point, I was a smart ass, and I was like, man, they keep showing this fool a lot. And then it dawned on me, he's in the co-main event against mm-hmm. Patty Finlay, you know, and oh yeah, that's right. So I was thinking about that and I was like, okay, how, how did we get here again? Like, is, is this card really that great? You know, I don't know. Wait, is this the one you close out the year with? But you know, it's, it is Patty Pimlet on the other side. However, is Patty getting a little too ahead of himself? Everyone's tuning in for him. He's the star. Him and Connor could break records. I get it. He's blown up, but has he blown up that much? You know what? I um, I don't want to say he's overlooking Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon's a good fighter. Yep. But uh, to he's me, this has the makings. Too. Huh? And he's beating some good fighters. Yeah, this has the makings of an upset for me. Uh, Patty Pimblett in his victories, I don't know that he looks like dominant or anything like that. You know, he gets the job done, but uh, we're talking about the UFC and we're talking about a division that's got a lot of killers. So he might have to tone it down a little bit. I don't hate him for putting himself out there. He's put money in his pockets. But I guess my question for you would be if he did lose this fight, does it kind of ruin him? Or does he just kind of bounce back the same way Conor McGregor does? Well, I'm not going to say it's the best thing that ever happened to him. You know how fighters say that and we don't like it? Because obviously winning would have been the better thing. But it's not the best thing that will ever happen to him. However, I think it will make him a better fighter down the road. There you go. A reality so at this moment, I think he... Something about Patty next to Molly. Molly takes a little bit of the spotlight on them because they share it and both of them have come off charming if anything when molly starts to have a couple drinks i'm like oh shut up already let patty talk right however this time they've been left alone and so i've gotten to know them a little bit more as good as you can get to know a fighter when you cover them or when you're a fan and you're watching them and right now i'm watching patty maybe get a little bit too big of a head too quickly Mm mm-hmm it could be. And then, you know, you got the president of the UFC kind of fueling that as well. Right, right. Um, but before I want before I want to get into that, I do want to mm-hmm. leave it separate in terms of what you talked about, Patty. He, okay, look, he did, he, obviously in London, it was super loud. He fought overseas a couple times. And of course, whenever he was doing anything, if he threw a jab and it landed, <sighs> So maybe that's why it looked like, holy cow, this guy's from another planet. He's Conor McGregor 2.0 or he's on his way because everything he was doing was pretty big, you know. But, um, okay, yeah, he's also had times during his fight. Not the Levitt fight. I thought the Levitt fight would be a little bit different. But there's just been a few times in his fights where he's gotten buzzed and you know, he even alludes to the fact that one time at the Apex, Cormier was saying, hey, he's losing this fight or he's losing the round or something like that. And it kind of woke him up. But um, I, I do see a guy that's getting better with the stand-up to complement his really, really impressive ground game. And I don't know. I don't remember Connor getting – Connor to me had a pretty iron chin. He took punches better than Patty Pimblett. Mm-hmm. And but I don't want to make it sound like the guy doesn't work hard or he's not talented. He is that. It's just that Connor did all this 10 years ago. And right now it's it's you're just facing tougher fighters, more complete fighters, more pressure. We'll see how it goes for him. I think it's good for the UFC to have stars. And when he's charming, I really like the kid. But I, I don't know if some of if too much of this early success may impede his um, growth, because like you said, this interview with Dana White. A should you even be doing an interview on Fight Week? Like, could your podcast have waited? Maybe I don't know. He did get in a little bit early, to be fair, but 
to me, you know, he mentions bar stool and a million pounds a year, which is about like what we would say for like a million dollar, you know, gig. But that the Raider game, like, I don't know, man, he, he, he's he's whining and dining a little bit too much. And uh, if he beats Jared Gordon, then, yeah, we all look like fools. I'm not saying he's going to, but Jared Gordon is going to be a, 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 a tough fight. I don't know. You want to start talking about Dana White or do you, do you want to say anything else here? Well, no, I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to put it in context with, like, maybe other superstars that have been in similar situations. And, like, you know, even if we just go back a little bit, Meatball Molly on her own got destroyed in that last fight. Mm. And I don't know that she can walk the next one and carry that same mystique. I think it just kind of went away. Mm. I don't know what happens with Patty Pimblett. I'm not saying he needs to get destroyed, but if he were to lose, he would definitely lose a lot of uh, steam because, like, Conor McGregor, even if he comes back and gets steamrolled, he can still, he can always lay on the fact that he's been a world champion multiple times. You know what I mean? Like, he's still got that to show. Patty Pimlet doesn't have that card to pull out. You know, so I don't know what happens from, uh, from here on if he were to lose this fight. Um, he has the makings of being a, a big star in the UFC, but you're right. Like comparing him to Conor McGregor and putting them in the same cage, that's not going to sell more than some of these other fights. I don't even think that would sell more than Masvidal and Conor, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it, he's just not there yet. Yeah, I think he's on his way, but he's not there yet. I would agree, he's not there yet. And I'm wondering if that's just his shtick. Or if he really believes that, I'm fine. I'm starting to find out he's he kind of really believes a lot of other things, um, and I find it off-putting a little bit, to be honest. Because um, two years ago, a year ago, you can't all of a sudden you you can't be doing media and acting a certain way, and now just because you're more rich and powerful and successful act like the media didn't help help you at one time and now what you're doing is you're turning your not your back but you're acting a lot differently so with this dana white interview so he he did his podcast and dana was his guest i think our our good friend ben folks was even confused and thought dana had done something where patty was his guest so maybe there might be others that think the same thing but it's patty's podcast he had dana as a guest and they talked about so much stuff including fighter pay but then there was a strong pivot towards both of their uh i guess hatred you could say now towards uh ariel hawani and maybe media in general i don't know patty even going so far as to suggest that um fighters should be compensated for uh interviews or maybe he was just isolating that on connor i don't know or sorry on ariel um, it, it was bizarre. I don't even know where you want to get started on this. And by the way, Ariel has already put out a pretty strong rebuff to what he had to say. Um, I, I, I don't know how to react to this. I, I just thought he kind of came off like an asshole, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, that's, and honestly, I think we're pretty good at putting things aside. And the fact that we're in MMA media in no way really uh, backs anything we're about to say. I don't think, I think if, if he were making good points, well, I would fist bump him and say, yeah, you're probably right. You know, but uh, here, I just don't know that that's realistic with what he's thinking and what he's asking for. And he has a very unique case where regardless of what he thinks that he's not being pushed, he's being pushed. The fact that he's got, Dana White on his podcast, he's being pushed. I think of Jared Gordon called and said, hey, you want to be on my podcast, Dana? I don't think he gets on. So he is being pushed, regardless of what he's saying. And maybe these fighters have a little bit more leeway of what they can ask for, what they can do. Um, that I get. You know, you remember when Sage Northcutt and Paige Van Zandt, like, Paige Van Zandt had, like, two UFC fights, and she was already on T-Mobile running around getting pizza or some shit right on TV, like every other commercial break. Um, these are different isolated cases. Not every fighter can do this. It's not, it's not a call to wake up fighters 
and OSP can pick up the phone and go, you're right. Hey, Nike, you know, let's do this. Like you just, you can't, mm-hmm. he is being pushed. I, I, I disagree with him. Uh, but if you're lucky enough to be in that position, then all you got to do is win. And we'll see if he can keep that going. But as far as Ariel Hawani goes, the stuff he's saying, I mean, everybody has different experiences with everybody, right? Unless you're in the room, you don't know what's really going on. Uh, well, but- he's saying that um, Ariel makes money off fighters. But look, I've heard a lot of people complaining about Ariel for a variety of stuff. Some of it I find outlandish, to tell you the truth. You know, he's successful for sure, more popular than a lot of fighters. And he's, he does have a huge platform. But I think Ariel already answering a lot of these things kind of makes what I'm about to say not, not as significant because it kind of already answered for himself. But as I was watching the thing, I'm like, well, what do you want him to do? Do, do, his, do it for free? He's not on an Ariel Hawani YouTube channel. He's on a YouTube channel for MMA fighting. I can't imagine that MMA fighting gives him a cut. And I can't imagine Ariel pays fighters to um, to uh, do interviews. I'm pretty sure they come running to him because, again, he's got a, a huge platform. You know, the MMA Hour is a, a big show. So what he might be is pushy, maybe. You know, but I can't see him hanging it over your head, especially now when we all have those receipts that they call them DMs to show or um, text messages. You know, imagine if Patty were to hold up his phone and on there you see Ariel on his knees. Please, please, please do my show. Yeah, he'd look like a little weasel, right? Mm -hmm. But I also can't imagine him doing that. I mean, the dude's, you know on ESPN for crying out loud. I mean, I, I think at some point he's he's grown up. Ariel has really grown up in the sport uh, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, and, and so when Patty just started going down that road, I'm like, what? And then at one point goes, he used the term, suck my ass. He said, I don't know if he said, I think there's been times where you've been, you suck my ass, you or something like that. And I'm like, all I'm saying is you suck Dana's ass for like the last 30 minutes. You know, like just looking for that fist bump, fighter pays good, and I'm happy, and it's fair, and uh, maybe, bro, if you're happy and you think it's fair, then I guess to you it's fair. But there's a lot of fighters that have said it's not fair. Now those, although now I will call some of those fighters out. They didn't say it till their career was over, or until they came to realize, oh shit, these guys aren't my best friends after all. I'm on a decline. I want more money, but by then it may have been too late. But when they were on their way up. They also thought it was fair. They don't figure it out till the end. Now, what I'm not convinced is that the UFC has to operate like another sports leagues, uh, other sports leagues do, mm-hmm. and pay their fighters 50%, like the NFL, MLB, or whatever. But the reason we were convinced that way, to, that, that that that's the way it should be, is because Dana himself compared himself to, to those leagues. You know what I mean? So he put that out there. But they have come up with a business model where it appears that they don't have to actually share 50%. And the reason is because so many of their top fighters have been gone for such a long time, and yet the business produces. Now, if fighters would get together and collectively bargain, then they would back them into a corner because you can't do it without all the fighters, right? Um, But you can do it if one's missing here and one's missing there. Injury, retirement, suspension, whatever. But if the other 799 or 700 50 or 700 or 600 or 500 or 400 or 300 are still going, guess what? You're going to have the UFC, the three letters, Dana White, and it's going to be successful. But, uh, I, you know, I, I've always said on behalf of the UFC, I think they do. Um, they don't have to necessarily pay for more, but it's the fighters fault because they haven't collectively bargained for it. Right. But they've proven they don't have to pay more because they don't have to have these fighters there. And the business goes down. The business is successful. It's just the comparisons of them having to share their revenue 50%. Or even in boxing where the fighters get 80%. You know, if you if you compare it to that, then yeah, you have a great argument. But um the UFC is just not that it's not that sport. Well, I'm you know, another thing I I can't remember. I think it was spinning back click, and somebody actually said this in the chat. 
and they said, well, maybe we wouldn't be in this James Krause situation if fighters right. got paid more. If fighters got paid more, then maybe they wouldn't be thinking about betting on themselves or betting on other fighters. Or, um, So, yeah, I mean, fighter pay, like, this is isolated to just a few people that say, yeah, man, we're happy. But the majority of the roster is always asking for more. And, uh, and the other thing I don't understand is Dana White, when it comes to Ariel Hawani, always says, I've got stories for days and trash and this and that. But he never says it. And I wonder why he hates the guy so much. And you would think that if he had all that, he'd probably just say something. So that makes me believe that it's probably the other way around as well. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you're never going to hear a different stance from Dana White. And Patty Pimblett is, you know, it's Gilligan and the skipper over there. So I'm glad Ariel said what he said. And those guys could say whatever they want uh but really i mean unless you're around these people and you've seen these interactions it's hard to formulate an opinion because to their defense like there are a lot of people who kind of come at ariel for things other fighters and stuff like that so he's probably no saint either but uh you know who really is i think at in at the end of the day he's a stand-up guy He's a, a little bit of a square. I don't think I don't think he's ever tried to tell anyone, "Hey, I'm edgy" or whatever. I know he does the heel wanny thing, but for the most part, he um, I think he's usually behaving ethically. And the times he hasn't, he's called it out. Like when he took a, I think the Fox job, the pavement what did go through the UFC, and uh, he was uncomfortable. He admitted it, but uh, he did it right. And so I do believe that probably at some point in the sport, maybe a couple things here and there that he probably wishes he wouldn't have done. But, dude, we're all human and we all do that. Um, That's from me on the sidelines, just watching him or watching all the other controversial figures in the sport. That's just the opinion I have. With with him, I've always had a, a good relationship where when we see each other, we say hello and chat, you know. But then it kind of just ends there as well. Um, but I, I just thought Patty's falling into the same thing that a lot of successful fighters do, and that's to redirect their anger towards the media. And you see it in not just the sport, in other sports, and you see it with celebrities. When you reach a certain point of fame, you're expecting everything you read to be, you know, ice cream and and pudding, you know, or whatever. Um, it's not going to be because there's going to be a bigger spotlight and people are going to start to get jealous. And so then when you say something that goes against the grain, someone from high school is going to go, what? Like Ivanka Trump, uh, I drove you to your abortion, you know, or whatever, things like that. All the, all those skeletons start coming out and then you're like, oh, how could they? I'm Ivanka Trump or whatever. You know what I mean? It's the first one I could think of, but there's just the stuff comes out at that point. And but it's very easy to do it, and a lot of people do it. They redirect it towards the people that are kind of calling you on it. And if anything, if you think about it, the media is just reporting what they find out, what they hear, you know. And if it's true, um, and it's a story, sure. Now, does does everything have to be a story? No, everything doesn't have to be a story, I suppose. But um, I don't know. I, I I'll probably get over it because I really want to like Patty. Um, I'm, I consider myself not friends with his manager, but I've known his manager for a while and I've always gotten along with his manager. I don't know if I've ever told you, and I don't know if you ever went with me, but a couple of times when Graham did our show at, at the studio or when he came by, we went to Luxor, we ate, like, I mean, we've had great chats about soccer and MMA and cage warriors and, and things like that. And that's why I've, I've always kind of gotten along with him. Um, he's brought us gear, you know, and, so I don't know. And and so Patty, like I say, just seems grounded, but he's so pissed off at people coming at him for the the weight, you know. Um I, I think what people are trying to say is is that good long term. Just because you can pull it off doesn't mean it's good long term. And most of the people that have knowledge with the human body say that. It, he, he's fluctuating too much, you know, but 
I don't know. He just, like I say, he turned a little, he turned me off a little bit this week. Yeah, me too. He did have a nice uh, meet and greet where some guy went out of his way to say, hey, thank you for speaking up about mental health. It wasn't all bad. And he seemed pretty sincere in thanking him for coming out and, you know, glad I could be there for you. Glad I could point that out. As you recall, one of his recent fights, it may have been the most recent fight, he talked about he lost a friend and. So he's been public about prom- promoting mental health. And I thought that was tremendous. And it was cool to see someone say, hey, you actually helped me when I was in, I had a dark moment. Right. Um, but yeah, him versus Gordon, that's the co-main event. And like I said, this one could be huge for Patty without Molly on his own. And if he wins, it's like, we'll move on. We'll move on from this aerial thing. We'll all move on from it. You know, fighters having to get paid for media or whatever the hell. Um, but if he loses, man, I'm telling you, it, it's it's gonna blow back at him a little bit, right? In in many ways. But if he does sell those pay per views like he sell, says he does, um, because that ain't gonna be because of Blahovich and Ankalaev, I will give him that. It will it'll be because of him. Then good on him if 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 they sell a lot, and if they don't, then you know he'll be shown receipts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the card, is there one other fight that you're like, yes, we got to get to that one, man. I, I can't wait for that one. Not really, dude. I know that sounds terrible, but, uh, you know, they're just okay. There's some that, uh, like uh, the Roe Rosas kid, I'm excited to see him just because of his situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not like he gets a win and all of a sudden you say, uh, you know, who's next for him or well, what what happens now? Uh, the Tapura fight, I think, is going to be a lot better than what most people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's one of the most interested fights I'm in. But uh, aside from that, it's just, you know, give me a beer, some popcorn. I'm down. So Quarantillo Hernandez, I just I think they'll be I think it'll be good because a they're lightweights. Lightweights just don't suck, honestly, usually. <laughs> you know what I mean? They got power. They got cardio. And both of these guys have fought enough times that I'm familiar with their game. And I know they're going to go out there. They're going to get beat up a little bit. But then they're going to take the lead. And then they're going to get beat up. And it's just going to have the makings of a, of a good fight. Um, but both of those guys haven't been in the UFC for a while. Probably Hernandez longer. This is kind of one of those where, like, hey, um, are you going to be something in the lightweight division or not? You know, it's going to be one of those. And the guy that wins is probably going to, you know, move up the charts a little bit. And the guy that loses we're all going to go, well, you know, like, uh, I guess we'll just kind of, you'll, you'll be kind of that veteran that some of the newcomers start to fight. Like I could see, honestly goes, I could see the loser of this fight or the winner. If it's boring, kind of being that next step for Patty Pimlet. You know what I mean? That I feel like they're the next step, maybe ahead of Gordon. Maybe Gordon might disagree. He's 19 and four, I think, but, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of how it feels to me. I think they're and right then, there. And then the next fight, is Chris Curtis versus Joaquin Buckley and Edmund Shabazian versus Dalcha Leon Gambula. That just that just is a one-two punch in terms of fireworks. I think that mm-hmm. that was put on there for entertainment reasons. You know what I mean? And I can't wait for it because they're going to provide it. Yeah. I mean, every, every fight has like at least maybe one side of it that you're kind of like you want to see what happens with Darren Till, right? Is he back? Mm. You know, if, he, if he gets a win, like I don't know that maybe cruising to a decision is something you want to see with the way that Darren Till gets talked about. I think you want to see him come in and just mop the floor, right? Mm. That would be exciting because honestly, when you see him pop up on a card, you you don't really react too much because a lot of times he doesn't make it to the fight. And here, apparently, it looks like he will. So let's see what happens. Yep. So I, I will co-sign on that one. I, I really like Till versus Duplessis. But for Till, this is his moment, man. Are you going to be a middleweight that gets talked about, or are, are we just going to have to start turning the page on you because of the inactivity and the injuries? Not because we want to, not because we dislike you. I find them to be um, entertaining, controversial, but entertaining, funny, you know, he should be one of the guys that gets paid better as well because I think he has fans. People tune in for a reason, and it's because of him. He, you know, it's his, 
his personality and like I say, the jokes that he cracks, the the lines he steps over, the fights that he's had. But you know, that can only take you to a certain level, and then that's it. You top out a little bit. Duplessis is gonna want to strike, which is right down Till's alley. So I want to see this. I did see, I think, the first embedded, and I thought, damn, Till looks a little heavy. But then by the third embedded, he must have started shedding some water. I'm like, oh no, he's he's gonna be okay. But for some mm-hmm. reason, he looked a little heavy in one of the first couple of embeddeds. Who knows if he's lost 10 pounds between two embeddeds? I don't know, two or three days go by, and that water starts coming off. Or it could have just been the angles or what, but it's just me having watched thousands of embeddeds. That's kind of what I thought. Jarzina Rosenstruck versus Chris Daka. Same thing here. Shit or get off the pot. Are you a title contender or not? They've been around long enough now that we need to know who's taking that next step. But it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a good fight. It's good matchmaking. And Mitchell versus Taporia. Now, see, this fight. It's a good fight. Because, because they're undefeated, they are kind of really getting close to title contender. One of these is actually going to be a, a title contender, not in the talks to be a title contender. So I would say that if Pimblet wins, he wouldn't get the winner of Mitchell versus Toporia. That's why I was saying he'd probably get the winner of Quarantillo versus Hernandez. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's another step before you get to Mitchell versus Toporia. Those guys haven't lost. They're really, really good fighters. That's what makes it a very pivotal fight for both of them. All right. Um. We move on here. Wait, sorry. Taporia, I keep forgetting. Taporia's fought at 55, but Mitchell and him are, are featherweights. So never mind on, on the Pimlet thing. Pimlet's a 55er. No, but we um, get what you mean as far as like steps and levels. Yes. That's another, that's a next level. And those guys aren't even like, you can't even say they're title picture guys. They're just one step above. It's a different grade. Yes, exactly. So, but leave Quarantillo and Hernandez and Taporia and Mitchell and. At, uh, at featherweight, but yeah, compartmentalize what I'm saying is whoever the next ones would be at 55 for Pimlet. So 55 for Pimlet would be next level. Um, yeah, who? So I, I would say that Bobby Green would probably be a next level. Like, hey Pimlet, if you win, take on. I think Bobby Green's got a fight coming up. Maybe take on the winner of Bobby Green and whoever that is. Um, maybe like a, what they like to do at some point is maybe like an aging veteran, like a Clay Guida. Or some someone like that, you know, mm-hmm. that might be that next step where he tries to take one of those guys out or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I got thrown off because Hernandez has fought at fifty five before before dipping down to featherweight. Remember he fought Cowboy and Benil and mm-hmm. whatever. So I got thrown off, but yeah, he's fighting at forty five versus Quarantillo. Um, and I think Pimblin may have been a featherweight at Cage Wars, so I apologize for that. Uh, yeah, for Pimblet. What he wouldn't be ready for is probably Grant Dawson, um, Madsen, had he not just lost or whatever. I, I think people would consider them two steps above, you know, because of their records and because of their ranking. I don't think Pam Pimblet would be ready for them yet. I think they would give him one more step before doing that. Now, that said, every once in a while, the UFC surprises us. Look what they did with O'Malley. Oh, yeah, Peter Young next. How's that sound? You know? I don't know if Pimlet, they would say, you know what? Um, how about you and Dariush? You know, I, I or you and Poye. I don't know if he's gotten there yet. I think they're going to take him slow still. Right. I think that's going to happen for a while. Yeah. Um, look, there's a few other things I want to say about the card, but I think we're ready to go with our guests. So let's do that. And then when we come back, we'll finish dressing up UFC 282. And don't forget, on Saturday, a watch along with Ghost and I, Cody Stamen, and perhaps a couple other surprise guests. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the prelims. And then the main card, which is a pay-per-view, starts at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. But we'll give you more reminders and talk more about that when we come back. Right now, let's talk to one of the goats of women's MMA who's going to be boxing this weekend. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts and boxing. Chris Cyborg, the legend, is going to join us here. We're going to talk about the big boxing event that's coming up here with Bud Crawford against, uh, uh, did I spell it right? Avanesian. There you go. Crawford versus Avanesian. It's a pay-per-view event, and you can watch it uh, via Dish. 
DirecTV or in demand, go to at Chris Cyborg for all the links. Chris is in the coming event against Gabriel Holloway. Listo para el boxeo, campeón. Yes. Uh, thank you for introducing me. We're really happy to be here. And you're very excited for this card. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I loved when I was looking at the at the social media, the Grand Slam champion. That's the perfect name, the Grand Slam. Those four belts that yeah. you carry in MMA, such a legendary status. I've always loved that. But let's let's focus on the boxing first. This is your second fight. This is your debut in the United States. And you're yes. fighting a young lady who's got more boxing experience and also some MMA experience. Talk about the matchup and, uh, you know, your excitement for debuting in boxing in the United States. Yes, you know, I'm really happy with my first boxing fight in the United States. I have a lot of fans here. Seven Nation growing, growing. And, you know, for me, it's a nice opportunity. You know, I'm happy. You know, uh, Gabriela, she's accepted the fight for the great fight for the fans. I know she have experience, you know, but I'm looking for the great fight for my fans. And I know she's going to be ready and I'm ready for the great. Compare the butterflies of a boxing event fight week and an MMA uh, fight week. You know, usually I have to cut a lot of weights for doing MMA fight. Boxing, we do like 154 pounds. Usually I fight uh, boxing, MMA, once, 145. So it's a little bit different. I can chill a little bit with my team. And usually that be cut weight, you know, for a box MMA fight. Do you have nerves at all about boxing or is it more fun than nerves? Uh, it's not about the nervous, you know, for sure. You know, a lot of, you think a lot of want to do great, you know, it's different sports. I respect everyone doing boxing. You know, I know it's, I come for different words than MMA to boxing. And, but I train really hard for giving me a little bit of confidence. And, you know, when God opened the door for you because you're ready and they just want to do great, you know, I, I was, Want to do great in the fight, and the victory is a consequence, you know, but I want to do my best. However, your name carries a legendary status, so do you feel like there's a little more pressure to, de to deliver legendary performances, whether it's grappling, MMA, Muay Thai, and now boxing, or do you feel like, you know, someone that's just a rookie starting out, take it easy, don't judge me yet, people? You know, I believe, like, I don't have to prove anything. I think I did a lot of for sports. And and then for me, you know, it's one of my dream doing unboxing fights. And for sure, you know, I, I want to do great and do good, good fights. I want to bring the fans from MMA to the box and the box to MMA, show my work different too. So as, as I feel like uh, thankful and I feel ready, you know, for do great. And the whole my career, you know, MMA, I always like to strike my fight, my the girls I fight. So this is a good thing, you know, I, 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 I love, you know, finish the fight stand up. Compare your mindset. You only have two minutes to work each round, but you get eight rounds versus MMA. Most of the time you're in title fight. So it's five minutes, five rounds. Do you have to, can you plan out each round individually or does some rounds set up other rounds just because the time goes so fast? How does that work for you? You know, this is one of the things I've been working because it really training for one round, the five minutes is different than two minutes. So this is one thing in my team, my team together, um, make, you know, it's very quick round. You don't have too much think, time to think. You have to, you know, get the victory. So uh, I've been working this, you know, it's different. Two minutes is different. Chris, in mixed martial arts, uh, there is what's called the Chris Cyborg style, right, uh, of striking. When you go over to boxing, do you have to transform that or can you kind of adapt a Chris Cyborg style into boxing? You know, I've been working, uh, for sure, I don't want to change my style, my team don't want to change my style, I'm going to get it better. You know, better touch, you don't get a touch, you move around, move your head, move your feet. I think there's a lot of things, you know, we can put it, put it together for be better. Uh, I got a lot of success in MMA, but for sure, box is different sports, and I'm humbly getting learning every day for doing my best I can. So a lot of people in mixed martial arts that have transferred over to boxing show a lot of respect towards boxing and trying to learn the style and all that. Um, but when it comes to fight night, a lot of the producers or the uh, the commentators will say, uh, this person's representing MMA in boxing. How do you feel? Do you feel like you're a mixed martial artist representing mixed martial arts in boxing? Or do you just want to be Chris Cyborg, the boxer at that time? 
No, for sure. It's not my legacy. I, 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 mean, I did it for MMA. It's going to continue in my journey. You know, for sure, they're going to say I'm from MMA. This is a good thing because, you know, you bring it to the boxing fan to MMA and the MMA to the boxing fans. For sure, the my legacy MMA is going to continue still. You know, just this is, is a little little challenge, a different way, you know. And But for sure, the people are going to know me, Chris Cyber from MMA. When you do make the return back to MMA, do you feel like the offense or defense from boxing, which one are you most excited to show off? Uh, I believe timing. And I think I think the take a hit and the more you get a less hit. I think this is the goal. And and I believe I believe the timing, you know, giving me giving more I'm already feel very confident in stand-up, but for sure when you improve it, get it better. And the hours when you compete separate the the, the sport help a lot for a MMA game. When you train in MMA, you obviously train boxing. But now that you've come over to just boxing, what have your boxing trainers told you? Do you have a lot of good habits that you brought over? Did they have to tweak a couple bad habits or any habits? Or how was it changing your boxing for MMA to apply now for boxing for boxing? Uh, I believe I'm gonna I'm continue aggressive. I think the one uh, good thing I have, I'm not afraid to punch, and and they take the punch too. Just but you have to be smarter, you know, have to be smart in the fight. So and I've been learning. I believe I think in the couple of fights in MMA, you know, I'm getting better uh, and and better. You know, I have a patient, wait for the opportunity to come. Do you have a favorite punch that you've developed in boxing that you like throwing? Everyone, if it work, left hook. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do you ever have a reflex where you maybe throw a combo and want to finish with a leg kick or accidentally want to maybe throw an elbow? Like, are you able to compartmentalize from sport to sport or do the instincts ever come out? You know, but sometimes you're in the clinch, you want to do some knees, you know, take down. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've been working a lot of sparring for the boxing when I have an MMA fight. So I've been working a lot of this, so I don't have too much think about this, you know. And I love I love finishing with my hands, you know. This is the one. Sometimes I have a fight opportunity to submission, and I say, no way, I'm gonna do ground and pound. So I like it. How heavy are the gloves that you wear in boxing? Do you know how many ounces? Uh, eight ounces, and then it's four ounces. Yeah. Okay, and so you get to fight on a card where Bud Crawford is headlining in his hometown. Do you know Terrence Crawford pretty well? And who are some of your favorite boxers that you feel like maybe your style is similar to theirs? You know, this is a uh, new word for me, but for sure I was a big fan of Pacquiao. Uh, not just the house is fighting, but the way he's handling his take care of his country. And, you know, they have a lot of big names too. I don't know Crawford in person, but I meet him on time. We take pictures together. Uh, but I feel honored to have the opportunity to fight the same card than him. And I know he's a big star in boxing. Yeah. All right. So Saturday, December 10th, Chris Cyborg versus Gabriel Holloway, co-main event of the Crawford uh, Avanesian. I got to look over here. Uh, main event. And folks, order it. You'll love it. You get to see Chris Cyborg. Uh, now in this new sport of boxing, this is her second. This is her second time boxing, but she's done it all. She's grappled. She's fought Muay Thai. I saw her fight lion fight here in Las Vegas. Yeah. So yeah, that's her. is Muay Thai your first love or or MMA or which one's your first love? Uh, I started with boxing, but then I go to shoot the boxes MMA gym. But oh. the more the more Muay Thai, Muay yeah. Thai and the ground and pound, and after I start to learn Jiu Jitsu, everything <laughs> trains separate. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, Chris, just before we finish, a couple of MMA questions. When you return to MMA, are, are you for sure returning to Bellator? Because I think you're a free agent. Can Can you talk to the other organizations at all, or or do you want to? You know, I'm free for talk to another organization, but you know, I'm a Bellator champion. I believe I'm gonna sign with them, and I've been looking for a fight summer, MMA summer with Katzengano. Katzengano. Okay. And then lastly, um, with you know, I think you said you've been open to open to promotions, you know, cross-promoting. We know the UFC probably doesn't do that. PFL, I know that there's the Kayla uh, fight that's been talked about. And Larissa Pacheco saying, hey, don't forget about me. I just beat Kayla. I want to be involved in the talks of the great fighters, you know, uh, in women's MMA. Does it appeal to you to fight 
a fellow Brazilian like Larissa Pacheco if that opportunity came up as well? You know, for sure. You know, I was able to be ready for challenges. And I'm in Fox for the Cats and Gunners next. But, you know, let's see what they're going to be next. And Bellator always, you know, work together. And let's see. Let's see what's going to happen. For sure, Pacheco knows the win. And a great victory. And continue doing the journey and doing nice. And the last question is, when you have talked to Coker about cross-promotion, has he told you 5% chance it can happen with PFL? zero percent eighty percent as he told you is it is that even likely or should we just stop asking that question about the cross promotion to, between pfl and and bellator you know uh bellator they're gonna do an event for reason in japan so i don't think you have any problem to do this uh mm -hmm. but we never have the contact to talk about this i think uh PFL just put social media but we never sit down and uh, any communication about this fight so i just uh, i believe it in looking for for raising money for doing the next season and mm -hmm. but nothing concrete all right well chris i just want to tell you we have something in common i'm also a grand slam champion oh, nice. i can put away that denny's grand slam breakfast anytime but <laughs> i wish i was a grand slam champion like you bellator invicta ufc strike force man that's awesome what a legendary career we appreciate the time and we look forward to watching you in the squared circle the sweet science watching you box versus gabriel holloway thank you so much you guys thank you it goes, I was just thinking, you know, we all want to see Bud Crawford versus Errol Spence Jr. And, but Bud Crawford, you know, is going to still fight and headline in his hometown. I thought it was kind of smart for him to have Chris Cyborg part of his card, like him and his uh, matchmaking team. The more I think about it, I think it was a brilliant way of bringing eyeballs. Hell yeah. And still having him to him do his thing. And hopefully that other fight, you know, gets made down the road or whatever. But uh, I, 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 I like Crawford's strategy here. You know, like in these uh, thriller events or whatever, when they have like, I don't know, fucking know, Lincoln Park or uh, I can't remember who did the first one. Mm -hmm. It's these little intangibles that kind of put you over the edge. You know, if you're like, ah, do I want to see Bud Crawford? uh hey cyborg's on here too all right let's do it right it's these little things that kind of put you over the edge mm -hmm. and i could see that working i, I think that's really really smart because you you probably don't have to pay her insane amounts of money mm -hmm. that you would another boxer right so um i think it's a good move yeah and he's almost at 40 and 0 which is super impressive folks in boxing and I know he's beaten Amir Khan and, and uh, Sean Porter, and now he's got David Avanesian. Struggled with that name a little bit in the interview, but we all want to get to Spence Jr. at some point, but some have argued that at this moment in time, Terrence Crawford is the, Bud is his nickname, um, is arguably the pound-for-pound number one boxer. So if you're going to splurge on a boxing card this weekend, MMA fans, and you kind of want to see Chris, just know that in the main event, you're going to be watching a really, really top-notch boxer as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. In his hometown. So that should be pretty cool. I'm thinking about it. Goes, I'm not convinced yet. I think it was $50 for the pay-per-view. I, I, I got to check it out. You know, I know we got our hands full with UFC 282, but you know how it is. Sometimes you're just... In, uh, on a Saturday night, you have both events going, and well, there, uh, there's two of us. There's two of us. So, and I think that's. I got to imagine every household. If you don't have somebody that lives with you that would be interested, you probably have a friend. Mm -hmm. And so that's twenty five and twenty five. And I will be a hundred percent honest with you. If there was maybe just one more fight on here, I would say yes. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, Crawford, when he was just hitting his stride a few years ago, there was talk about he could be one of the final fights for Floyd Mayweather. And I think that would have been a really, really tough fight for Floyd Mayweather. I don't know if he would have been able to get out of there with his 50th win or whatever. I, I think mm -hmm. he wanted to avoid some of these younger cats, you know, like him and Spence Jr. But I said that so many times that I don't want to sound like a hater because Floyd was brilliant, honestly. Um, with his career, managing his career, you know, this is a small guy, guys. He, you know, he started off like a, a boxing at 108 and wound up at 54 or something like that. 
So this isn't a boxing show. It's an MMA show. Don't forget, we have Boxing Junkie, though. And we talked to Austin Trout at one point last week. So we dabble from time to time. We talk a little bit about boxing from time to time. That's where Chris is headed. She says she's headed to Bellator next versus Kadzingano. Did she just kind of kill her own free agency? I mean, it probably... I know she probably wouldn't go back to the UFC at this point because they're probably going to do away with the 45 division. At least that's what Aspen Lad was saying. But, geez, I would have thought she might price herself a little bit and see what what you got, one championship. What's up over mm-hmm. there, Jake Paul? Hey, PFL, all right. You want a season out of me? Let's do it, baby. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was a little strange too, but uh, I would imagine they've had talks. You know what I mean? And And Bellator is one of those promotions that, they are willing to let you do something else if you want. You know, we saw MVP go do bare knuckle. We've seen cross promotion with Ryzen. So I think they're more inclined to let uh, Chris Cyborg do some of these things that she probably wants to do that are outside the box. Yeah. All right. For the most part, I, now I realize we kind of did talk most about the card, honestly. Um, I didn't chime in on Raul Rosas versus Jay Perrin. I like that they're chirping at each other. But, yeah, Rosas is a senior in high school. And he's on a UFC pay-per-view. It's pretty amazing. He lives here in Vegas, actually. So I'm kind of excited for him. This is a unique situation. And kudos to Alex Morano. Don't sleep on Alex Morano, but he's the one stepping in for uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio. And he's the guy that's going to be facing Robbie Lawler. He fought about six months ago or something again against uh, Sam Ellsberger. But he is fighting a four-fight win streak. So... I don't. I think Ponzinibbio's best years are behind him, but I don't think he's a scrub. I saw him fight personally at the Apex against Michelle Pajeda, and I thought that night he might have pulled it out, but it was close. But it was a really, really fun fight. Everybody at the Apex won nuts. So anyway, as far as other news, Liz Carmouche she defends her belt against Juliana Velasquez, and she's not too thrilled about it. That's for sure. Uh, Velasquez sounds confident, like she's going to regain her title. Mm-hmm. And on that same card, the Bellator Bantamweight World Grand Prix will kind of take its next step. I'm going with Stotts and Mix. Yeah. But I'm homering a little. I'll admit it. That said, of the two, I think Magomed Magomedov has a better chance of beating Mix. Shit, some might argue that he's going to be Mix and he's the favorite. I think he is the favorite. Than Sabatello does against Stotts. Stotts is pretty pretty good, man. Yeah, and it's not like a shot at Sabatello. It's more of an experience thing for me. Like we just haven't seen enough of Sabatello to know that he can take on uh, a well-rounded fighter like this. So I'm a, I'm agreeing with the way you have it, um, but I don't think Sabatello is going to look like a scrub in the fight. I think I think he'll lose, but I don't think he's going to look bad. Yeah. Magomed Magomedov is just barely a favorite, too. Mix is good, man. If he takes you down and he can control you, there's just not too much you can do about it. He's actually a pretty big bantamweight, to tell you the truth. Velasquez is the favorite in the uh, the rematch. And last but not least, a shout-out to Luis Palomino, who defended, I believe, for the fifth time last week. Somehow, bare knuckle sometimes can all of a sudden be super, super... How can I put it to you? Um... Promoted, it could be promoted very, very well, where we know everything that's going on or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we consider Palomino a friend of the show. We're going to have him on soon to talk about this. But I believe this is his fifth title defense. It's insane. You know, and he's won two different divisions. I've been calling him the GOAT of that promotion and probably that sport without really knowing its past history 100 years ago or anything else that might have been done in other leagues. But to me, BKFC is my version of bare knuckle. And for that, he's got the stats to back up being the greatest. And he had another title defense last weekend, goes. That's a difficult sport because of the damage that you take, not just to your face, but your hands as well. So for him to be consistent like that, he might have just he just might have found found his calling and, and figured this out before other fighters. But he's uh he's faced quite a few and, and for him to be successful like this, calling people out, I think you're right. I think he is right up there. Yeah, this will be his third title defense in 2022, 3-0, and tying it into Austin Austin Trout, that interview that we had, because he's going to be KFC. Austin Trout really wants to fight him, and they're in the same division. So look for that fight down the road. I think Trout has to take a warm-up, 
But we all know who Luis Palomino is from the wars he's had in MMA. He's beaten Jorge Masvidal before. He had some epic wars versus Justin Gagey, but he's been stellar at BKFC. So shout out to him. We're going to have him on the show soon. And congrats on all the history he is writing over there at BKFC. And with that, we're out of here. Um, Before we go, just my last reminder, tune in on Saturday for UFC 282, our watch-along at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the main card. Whether you decide to watch it or not, watch along with us. But if you don't, just know that we can tell you in real time what's happening. And if you want, get there two hours earlier because we'll be there as well for the four featured prelims, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, myself and Goes, Cody Stamen, a few other surprises hopefully as well. And shout out to our colleague Farah Hanoon who will be doing the preview show at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, kind of giving you that warm-up for the, the whole card as she goes over the whole card. One of our colleagues will probably join her for that. With that, we're out of here. Enjoy Bellator this weekend. Enjoy the UFC. We'll see you Saturday night, and we'll be here to recap it all on Monday. Go out and be a champion.